Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Radio Omniglot podcast, a podcast about language and linguistics. My name is Simon Eger. I run Omniglot.com, the online encyclopedia of writing systems and languages. In this episode, I am talking about numbers and counting, specifically numbers in English. Now, you may be thinking, I know all about English numbers. You've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and so on. And you've got 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and so on. They're pretty easy, pretty straightforward, really. But when you look into them in more detail, you find actually there are many different ways to refer to different amounts. So let's start with the most important number, zero. Now the word zero comes from the French zero, from the Italian zero, from the medieval Latin zephirum, and ultimately from the Arabic cipher, which means nothing or cipher, and is also the root of the English word cipher. There are a number of other ways to refer to the idea of zero. For example, in the UK at least, when reciting a string of digits such as a phone number, if there is a zero in it, you use the word O. For example, mobile phone numbers in the UK all start with the prefix 07, and the area code for London starts with 020. In sports, there are several different ways to refer to zero as in no point. In tennis, love is used. If one player has one point and the other player has no points, for some reason you say 15 love. And if the one player has two points, you say 30 love. It's a strange system. I'm not quite sure where it all comes from. I'll have to investigate that. But for the moment, let's concentrate on the word love, which possibly comes from the French l'oeuf, meaning egg. Maybe because an egg is shaped like a zero, sort of, although that is disputed. Other words for zero include nil, as in the score is 2-0. That's used in football and a number of other sports, in the UK at least, to indicate that one team has scored no goals. Apparently in American English usage, the equivalent is 2 nothing. Other words for zero include zilch, zip, nada, I think these are used mainly in American English, and apparently goose egg is used in informal language, I'm not sure where, I've never heard that one. And in cricket, you could say a batsman is out for a duck, meaning he has not scored any runs. And next we come to the first number, the number one, which is unique or one of a kind. If you only have one wheel on your bicycle, you might call it a unicycle. Uni, of course, comes from the Latin unus, meaning one, and is also found in such expressions as unilateral or one-sided. Unibrow, that is, uh, two eyebrows that have grown together into one and become known as a unibrow. And a unicycle is also known as a monocycle, and mono comes from Greek, meaning one, which is also found in such words as monogamy and monoglot, or someone who speaks only one language. Also from Greek we have the suffix proto, meaning first. A protagonist was the first actor, the main chief actor in a Greek play, and protozoa is a unicellular organism, a single-celled animal, literally first life. And proto-languages, such as proto-Indo-European, are the reconstructed ancestors of modern languages, meaning first languages. 
Also, from Latin, we have prime and prima, meaning first, as in prime minister, the first minister, primate, primitive, premiere, the first showing of a film or play, prima donna, the first lady, prima ballerina, the principal dancer. And then we have words like single, singular, simplex, and even simple itself. These all come from the Latin root simplex, meaning one fold. And also we have solo. If you sing a solo, you're singing on your own, all alone, which comes from the Latin solus, meaning alone, sole, only, solitary, and inhabited. And soul and solitary also come from the same root. Another word that means one, that is used in some sports and games such as tennis, is ace which comes from Norman French. And now let's redouble our efforts and talk about the number two, the second number. Now from Latin, we have the prefix bi, as in bilingual, someone who speaks two languages, or bicycle, a vehicle with two wheels, bicameral, a government with two sections, two houses, bilateral, two-sided. And then from Greek, we have the prefix Di, as in diglot, another word for a bilingual person, and carbon dioxide, and many more scientific and chemical terms. And then there are a number of other words that mean two, such as second, as I mentioned, and secondary. A couple is two people, usually. A pair is two. A few usually means two or three. It's one of those indeterminate numbers, which I will mention in a moment. A brace is number, another indeterminate amount. It comes from the old French bras, meaning arms, and refers to an amount you could carry between two arms. And there are a couple of other ways to refer to two as something. If you perform with one other person as a duo, you might be performing a duet. Another word with a kind of secondary meaning is penultimate, which means the last but one, or the second to last, from the Latin ultimus, meaning almost last. In Welsh, for example, stress almost always falls on the penultimate syllable. We've already mentioned a protagonist, the first or principal actor in a Greek play. The second actor in a Greek play was known as a deuteragonist. Deuter meaning second. Also found in the book of Deuteronomy, which means the second laws. And of course, the third actor in a Greek play was known as a tritagonist. And tri also features in a number of other words with a three-ish meaning, such as triangle, triathlon, triad, three of a kind, triple, triplet, trireme. That was a Roman or Greek boat with three banks of oars, a trio, with three people performing something together. Also, when you have three vowels that are pronounced in one kind of clump, that's known as a diphthong. In the two section, I should have mentioned the word diphthong, which is two vowels pronounced together. 
If you manage to do three things in a row, such as score three goals in a game of football, this is known as a hat-trick. And this term actually first appeared in 1858 in reference to a cricket player called H.H. Stevenson who took three wickets from three consecutive deliveries. And the fans at the time had a collection for Stevenson and they bought him a hat with the proceeds. And the term was first used in print in 1865. If you are bowling and you manage to knock all the pins down three times in a row, that is three consecutive strikes, this is known as a turkey or sizzling turkey. Why exactly? Nobody knows. We have already mentioned diphthongs and triphthongs, and in some languages you might even find tetrathongs, that is four vowel sounds that are kind of blended together. And tetra, from the Greek, meaning four, is also found in such words as tetrahedron, which is a kind of pyramid with four triangular sides, and tetrapod, which is another word for a quadruped, or a creature with four limbs or feet. And quad, from the Latin meaning four, is also found in such words as quadrangle, quadrilateral, quadruple. And the words quarter and quartet also come from that root. And now we come to the number five, or the fifth number. And from Latin we have words prefixed with quin, such as quintet. That is a group of five singers or musicians who sing or play together. And from Greek we have words suffixed with penta or pent. Shapes with five sides, such as pentagon, pentangle, pentagram, and pentahedron. And then other five related words, such as pentathlon. That is a competition involving five different sports. And pentatonic, a musical scale made up of five different notes. And speaking of music, I think it's time for a little tune, don't you? This is Climbing the Stairs, or Dringor Grisha, a tune I wrote on the harp back in 2015. that as we go up the numbers, the number of ways to refer to different amounts is diminishing. In most cases we have the basic English word, so we're on to six now, and then words derived from Latin and Greek. So a group of six musicians is a sextet, a six-sided shape is a hexagon, and you can also talk about having half a dozen of something. 
The dozen comes from the French douzaine, which means twelve of something. So half a dozen, half of twelve is six. For seven, eight, and nine, we have words beginning with sept, oct, and nov, or non, from Latin. September, for example, to the Romans at least, was the seventh month, because their year started in March. October was the eighth month, and November was the ninth month. And sept is also found in septet, and from Greek, for seven we have hept, as in heptagon. And for eight, we have also octopus and octagon. And for nine, there's a rare word from Greek, eneahedron which is a polyhedron with nine faces. And a group of nine musicians or performers might be called a nonet, although that's not a word that's used very often. You might hear octet or septet for eight and seven musicians, performers, but nonet is not a very common word. And then for ten, we have words beginning with dec, which comes both from Greek and Latin. So December to the Romans at least, was the 10th month. A decathlon is a sporting contest involving 10 different disciplines. A decade is a period of 10 years. A decahedron is a 10-sided shape. And now the numbers 11 and 12 are somewhat odd, because if they followed the pattern of the numbers from 13 to 19, you would expect them to be 1-teen and 2-teen. But they're not. They're 11 and 12. And 11 comes ultimately from the Proto-Germanic Einolif, or one left. And 12 comes from the Proto-Germanic Twalif, or two left. We've already talked about dozens, or 12 of something. But then, if you have a baker's dozen, or a long dozen, that's actually 13. Now, apparently, bakers used to add an extra loaf of bread to each batch of 12, so they would not be accused of selling um, loaves below the standard weight. And fear of the number 13, which is common in some places, is known as triskaidekaphobia, which comes from Greek, 3 and 10 fear. I'm going to skip over the numbers 14 to 19 and jump straight to 20, which is also known as a score, for example, the average human lifespan in the Bible is three score years and ten, that is, seventy years. Now this form of counting used to be common in English and other languages, and some languages still use it. It's used in Scottish Gaelic, and in Manx, and Breton, and a few other languages, and to some extent in, in others as well, like French uses it for eighty and ninety. 80 in French in France is 80, 420s. 90 is 90, 420s plus 10. And in traditional Welsh numbers, they were counting in 20s. This is a vigesimal system. That's another word for 20. And also Welsh has another interesting characteristic based around the number 15. So when you're counting from 15 to 20 in Welsh, it's 15, Pompthek, 16, Inarbomthek, 1 on 15, 17, Diarbomthek, 18, You'd think it would be three abonthag, but it's not. It's actually day now, two nine. And then 19 is pedwara abonthag, and 20 is igain. And 30 is degar igain, that's 10 on 20. And 40 is degain, two score, basically, and so on up the, up the numbers. So 99 in this system is pedwar abonthagar pedwar igain. That's 4 on 15 on 420s. So this system is very good for your mental arithmetic. Unfortunately, for people learning their maths in Welsh, 
There is also a decimal system, which is a lot simpler. So in the decimal system, 11, for example, is index in, 1101. 12 is index die, 1102. 13, index 3, and so on. And 20 is die deck, 210. 30, 3 deck, 310s. That's a lot easier. So where were we? We got to 20. Now let's jump right up to 100. Now another word for 100 is a ton. When you're talking about going 100 miles an hour or 100 kilometers an hour, you might say you're doing a ton. And a century is a hundred runs in cricket, or a hundred miles in cycling, apparently. And then we'll go up to a thousand, I think. Another word for the thousand is a grand. When you're talking about a thousand pounds, or euros, or whatever, you might talk about a grand, or two grands, or whatever. And K is also used from kilo, as in kilometer, kilogram, etc. For example, he makes 30K a year. And another way to refer to thousands is a millennium, that's a thousand years. And I've also already mentioned uh, kilometer, a thousand meters, kilogram, a thousand grams, and so on. So kilo is the Greek for a thousand, and meal comes from Latin. A mile comes from the Latin meaning a thousand paces, or mille passos, because to the Romans a mile was a thousand paces. And now we get to the indefinite numbers, the non-numerical vague quantifiers, or for the larger ones, the indefinite hyperbolic numerals. For the smaller ones, we have things like a few, quite a few, a fair few, some, many, lots, and so on, and a couple of things. Usually a couple refers to two, but it could be more sometimes. It depends on the context. Similarly, a few could mean one or two or three, or could mean lots, depending on the context as well. If I were to say, I speak a few languages, I play a few musical instruments, I'm being modest. I play more than two instruments and play and speak more than two languages. Quite a few more, in fact. So, a few in this context refers to a relatively large number. In fact, I could say I speak about 12 languages at a conversational level and have some knowledge of 20 others. Now, to some people, that may seem a small amount, relatively speaking, compared with the total number of languages in the world, which some sources say is over 7,000. But to others, who have speak only one or two languages, that seems like a, a very large number of languages. And I wouldn't claim to speak all of them well. Some of them I've only studied in a very rudimentary fashion, but others I've studied in more depth. And then for larger amounts, we've already talked about many and lots. We also have words like a myriad, which originally meant 10,000. And in quite a few different languages, 10,000 represents a very large number of anything. This is used in languages like Chinese and Japanese, and Greek and Hebrew, and a number of other languages. And then we have a lovely word, umpteen, or umpti. This is an unspecified large number. And then for really large numbers, we have things like a zillion, a gazillion, a jillion, a squillion, and other made-up ones, which are wonderful to say. I really like the sound of them. And then a huge number is a Google, which technically is 10 to the power of 100, also known as 10 duotrigintillion. And then a Googleplex is 10 to the power of 10 to the power of 100. There's probably plenty more I could say about numbers and counting, but I think that'll do for now. 
I hope you found this interesting and informative. If you'd like to leave any comments or suggestions or like this podcast, go along to omnigot.com slash radio. You can leave your comments there, or you can recommend it to your friends, share it on social media and all that sort of thing. Maybe even make a little donation if you're feeling generous. You can contact me at feedback at omnigot.com. I have been Simon Ager. This is the Radio Omnigot podcast. I'd just like to say thank you for listening and goodbye.